1: Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of
0: the London Is Blue podcast. Your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. All right, part two of the week, Chelsea listeners. We are back with the full crew, Dan, Nick, myself, and brought Mike back in. In as we like to for these part twos mike welcome back
2: hey what's up guys
0: and then we've got alex sticking around for part two with us that's a double shift alex you really really appreciate it Thank
3: you guys so much for having me i really appreciate it my turn
0: so if you missed the match review part one go back and listen to that this is a bit of an extension mainly focusing on all of your social media questions that you have sent to us uh, also through patreon and then we will look ahead to the born with match coming up at the weekend uh, but before we get into that uh nick we do have another very cool uh kind of content opportunity not opportunity content project that we're gonna give him a, a, an inside peek at
4: that's right um so as most of you know we went down to tampa about a month ago and had the chance to sit down with joe cole for about an hour he couldn't have been cooler about everything uh it was a great interview Ah, uh, we've been working on getting a video cut and and our normal podcast cut together, and we're looking at a release date for on or around September seventh. So don't hold us to that date exactly, but that's what we're looking to. So we just wanted to give you a peek behind the curtain that that is coming up. Uh, we think you'll find it fascinating. We certainly did, and uh, and there could also be. And you know, I'm 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 giving you the inside baseball here. It, there could also be some sort of giveaway option that comes along with it. So uh, just stay tuned to our social channels and stay tuned to this podcast and uh, you will be, uh, you'll be happy that you did for
0: sure. We're looking to release uh, a few videos off of that. Cause he did sit down with us on camera as well as the full thing in audio podcast form. So a ton of different content is going to come out of that again. Um, if you've been around, you will love hearing from Joe Cole about a ton of stuff. But let's go ahead and jump right in. Dan, right off the bat from Patreon, Jacob asking, do you feel that this Chelsea team is one that can contend for Premier League and Champions League titles in the coming years under Sari? or are there positions that definitely need to be upgraded? It's early, but the excitement of Sarri Ball is infectious.
1: Why can't we contend this season? Why I can my interest City be... exists. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, but, you know, I, I think here's the thing. A couple injuries break your way. You eke out some results you weren't supposed to. A couple officials just go absolutely crazy and award goals that get knocked in by a <laughs> hand. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think we are currently very, very underrated as a squad compared to Tottenham, compared to United, compared to City, compared to Liverpool. And I just feel like anytime that happens, Chelsea seems to find a way, seems to grow out of the darkness and into the light, and just surprises the heck out of everybody. And so I don't think it has to be next season. I think Sari will win at least a trophy this season, whether that be Europa League, FA Cup, League Cup, League title. He will win a trophy this season, and I don't think it's honestly out of the realm of possibility for it to be the Premier League championship. Oh, my. God,
4: Uh, I love it. So, so not only does he break his duck and, and, and win a trophy, but he wins the Premier League trophy over Pep. Interesting. Stranger stranger
1: things have happened. Stranger things have happened. And I'm not, I'm saying that, like, you know, what happens if, aguero gets injured what happens if bernardo silva has a bad run of form what happens if katie doesn't eight, come back they in have time? eight
4: replacements look at their squad <laughs> like that's what i like they, they're multiply they're crazy mike go ahead man
2: i was gonna say our uh, italian manager in their first season have have done it before why not why not again i'm with you dan
4: hey, i want it to happen i just think you're crazy to be fair jacob did you're, say you're, in the years crazy
3: man to
0: come <laughs> So we don't have to condense it all down to right now. There, there is opportunity for growth. Um, I, we don't need to talk about any positions that are going to be upgraded because here's my insight on that. Chelsea should always be looking to upgrade every position. If they ever can, they would be stupid not to. That's what top European clubs do. So, yes, Jacob, we will continue to upgrade. One from Mark, obviously fallen back from before. He says, hey, guys, it's nice beating Newcastle at home. First off, I'd like to thank Marco Solonzo for making my birthday weekend great with his heroics in quotations after three games three game days under sorry what changes do you want to see overall have a great labor day weekend obviously that is coming up for us in the u.s so alex for you any changes that you want to see overall after three matches under sorry excluding any defensive changes that we talked about at the end of the last episode
3: (laughs) all right happy birthday mark and yeah excluding the defensive ones no, as of right now, I want everything to stand still, unless you can be irrational and tell me that Callum Hudson-Odoi has a chance of sneaking into a starting wing spot, which he does not at the moment anyway, and I understand that. Maurizio Sarri told us a good month ago that Callum Hudson-Odoi's Premier League involvement would not be much this season. No, besides defense, so besides the back four, I like the midfield with Kovacic starting, And if you give me a choice of Pedro versus William, I'm taking Pedro all day. And as frustrating as Morata has been for me, I'm definitely still giving him a handful more chances. So in answer to that question, no, I would not change the starting 11 besides defense.
0: Mike, we haven't heard from you on any of the changes uh, based off last episode. So here's your chance to kind of jump in and weigh in any opinions you think on that.
2: Um. You know, I, I'm okay with what we're at right now. I, I think for me, the misplay by Sorry was putting both Eden and uh, Kovacic in at the same time. I think I think they're both waned uh, a little bit in the second half. And I, I think we could have, I would have gone with a Barkley just from a, a size and physicality to try and deal with some of the fouling that we saw. Um, overall, I, to me personally, I think maybe just a substitution for Alonzo in the seventieth, 75th, 80th minute. Um, to get somebody defensive and, uh, you know, shore up the defense. Cause I think that's when some of those mistakes have come in late in the game when uh, he's been marauding up the wings.
0: All right. Well, another one we have is from Caleb. Nick says, am I totally insane to think that we should consider an attacking alternative in the three man midfield rather than world cup winner and goal. When we play versus a back nine, even if not from the start, this may be the role where Susk can thrive this year.
4: Uh, you are insane uh, to take an <laughs> N'Golo Kante off the field at any point. And K- Caleb K- uh, Caleb and I message on LinkedIn all the time. So uh, just a shout out to him. He's he's an awesome dude. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think the flexibility that you get with N'Golo Conte and, you know, any combination of... Kovacic, H. Barkley, RLC it is balance, right? Like, you have to have it. Um, and Kante still doesn't feel super comfortable in and around the box. Um, but that doesn't mean that can't change this here. I do think his point of Sesk, you know, as a super sub is something that we've been talking about for a while. Sesk is going to have to get healthy and then prove that he's, you know, even in contention. I mean, if Ruben can't even get a, a sniff at the field. You know it's going to be uphill, uh, uphill sledding for for anyone else. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's, I think there's definitely a, a balance you need to have. But um, I think you'd be crazy in the Premier League to to strip yourself of one of the best midfielders in the world.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. What, Mike? Get some help, Caleb. Say say it.
2: <laughs> no, I'm. So, you uh, look. You know, Cesc might have had a magic hat, but Jorginho's got a magic. Everything, and I don't think that at this point, um, it, with Seth's recent form, I don't think he he should be stepping a foot on the pitch. Um, not unless where there's injuries or other things. He's he's got to be at least fifth in line. So that, what, what, that's my. What
1: take. about as a fan? Could he step onto the pitch as a fan? <laughs> yes. <laughs> could he step on to uh, hand, hand out like a certificate to someone for you know becoming a pitch owner? Could he Could he take over that responsibility right now?
2: Yeah, he could very slowly walk out onto the pitch.
1: Well, playing <laughs> oh, off of this is Brett saying we're going to
0: see plenty of teams line up to play this way against us this campaign with the style of football we play. Would you think it would be wise to play more attacking lineup compared to the one Sari presented today? I don't know, I mean Dan, I mean how many more attacking changes can Sari make from today's lineup?
1: Not many. I mean, I think you know. Alex mentioned Callum hudson Doy, You know, is seems to be very far down the pecking order at the moment, right now. You you could put Barkley in and say that's an attacking option to move forward. You could find a way to maybe play with a uh, a front four, Pedro as a second striker, and William on the right, Hazard on the left. Like you you could get a little freaky with the lineups here but I don't think you're going to see wholesale changes in that way. Mauricio Sari. as we've you know, talked to uh, Mateo, as we've talked to Alex, uh, as we talked to uh, Alex McGovern about Mauricio Sari, the way he's played in Napoli, the way he's played in Napoli, he does not believe in a lot of wholesale changes. And if he finds his starting 11, it's going to stay that way. And so I don't think it's going to fluctuate much based upon how the team is going to line up. I think the bigger issue is going to be is how is Mari Osari going to prepare and coach the team to be successful against different types of opposition. And I think you have to field your best 11 players, not players that are positionally right, because that is only going to work as long as that position holds. And the moment that falls away in a match, now you have someone on the pitch who isn't suited to play against the fact that the shape has changed or the game has changed or the speed or the tempo has changed. You have to put your best 11 out and train them on the pitch, train them on the training pitch to get them ready for any type of game situation. Is that at,
0: right, Alex, from you? I mean, again, it's a pretty attacking style just going forward the way it is.
3: Yeah, honestly, I, I totally agree in terms of this is about as attacking as it's going to get with the currently constituted team. Now, I do want to get funky and throw Callum oh. Hudson-Odoi in there in those type of games where you're going to park the bus against Chelsea. And see, the thing about Callum Hudson-Odoi, and I'm not going to harp on it too much because then the dreamer side get you know really comes out of me and it's just time wasted. But what Chelsea really do lack is finishers. They're willing shooters. They lack willing willing shooters. And that's one of the reasons why I actually like Pedro involved in all of this because Pedro is a better finisher than Willian and probably also a more willing finisher than Willian, a willing shot taker than Willian. Alvaro Morata right now is definitely struggling with his confidence. It feels like he doesn't know when to shoot and when not to shoot. And if anything, shoot, 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 shoot. This is why I didn't want Michy Batshuayi leaving is Michi Batshuayi has a little bit of a selfish aspect to his game. But honestly, on this current Chelsea team, you need that. I want people who want to shoot. And we all know at Hazard; he would like to pass just as much as he'd like to shoot. So I, I wanted a Odoi involved because he likes the eye for goal. But right now, I don't know how much more offensive you can really go. Um, I've talked about for a couple weeks now that between N'Golo Conte, Jorginho, and Mateo Kovacic. And then, of course, Barkley, who, by the way, should be shooting when he comes in the game, which I mentioned on the lab, last episode with you guys. Um, one of those midfielders is going to have to have a little bit more of an eye for goal. And out of Conte, Jorginho, and Kovacic, even though Conte has already scored a goal and Jorginho scored a penalty, I think it's Mateo Kovacic that needs to shoot a little bit more. And 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 I'm not judging him yet. I mean, he had a great cameo the first time. And then, this last game, he played 90 minutes, and he, was, or he didn't play 90 minutes, but he started, and he was okay. But I think as the games go on, it's someone like Mateo Kovacic who probably needs to look for goal a little bit more because what about if Morata isn't a rut? What about if Pedro is showing his old age? What about if Azard is being unselfish? They're going to need the midfield to pop it a little bit more, but I'm not sure Sari can do a whole lot more bringing in players off the bench unless it is a doy.
0: Okay, well, maybe instead of bringing players off the bench, how about this, Mike? uh, I'm sorry, Reed asks, are we better off with Jorginho playing more advanced and letting World Cup winner N'Golo Conte play in the holding mid role that he's excelled at the past years? Reed doesn't think that um, Conte is skilled enough with the ball to play up there, and he also doesn't think that Jorginho is aggressive enough or fast enough to cover as the holding midfielder.
2: I think he has to let go of, of Conte's way of playing and, and embrace ball. I mean, this is what it is. And until we see that little bit more communication of, of that 15 yards maintained with you know, the back line and the midfield, um, there are going to be gaps, there are going to be problems, but Jorginho is exactly where he needs to be. And that is in the center, and that's him marshalling everything and directing. So, um, you know, at times, could we see a better pivot maybe? Yes, maybe. But I I think it's we have to go forward and I'm happy with how they're playing now. And I think with more time, you're going to just see um, a better communication, a better play.
4: Couldn't agree more there, Mike. It, I, I I think the natural feeling that you get as a Chelsea fan who's watched Ingle Conte play over the last two seasons and i have been amazed at his ability to track back and tackle is that when, you know, you get that security blanket back there and then you take it away, I think even our defenders are like, oh, well, where's where's the superhuman who's going to help me do my job? Uh, well, that superhuman is up the pitch trying to to win the ball in, in more advanced positions now. And Jorginho is the man who's controlling the tempo, controlling the passing movement, uh, beginning, you know, especially as you saw last week with, you know, his pass to Alonso, Alonso to Pedro, controlling the tempo by, by putting the ball in in advanced positions. And yes, I think there is some physicality. Like if we could combine them and make one super player, it would be pretty impressive, but we can't. And I think this is a, a opportunity for all Chelsea fans to be okay with being uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. I love Ngolo Conte, and I'm, you know, it's it gives me a little anxiety not seeing him right in front of David Luiz when he when he makes a a run out, but I, I think this is going to have to be how it is if we want the tempo and the control of the game to be what um, Maurizio Sarri has in mind a lot of room for growth. Uh,
0: we, we knew that was going to happen for the beginning, but that's part of the evolution, you know, and you can't just flip the switch and, and having Golo be completely comfortable in that position. But again, yeah, having Jorginho really be the one to direct and, and be the general back there makes a lot of sense to me. He's not afraid of a tackle. I, he's not a two footed tackler like Newcastle. He's much more of a, you know, Nick it off you and then run up the other way. But he, his ability to release a pass to go forward is is probably one of the best in the Premier League. And having him in that role, I think, will help us uh, as we move on. Another question from Philip uh, says, we saw Kovacic and Nazard in the starting 11 today, but there was not a huge goal threat. What changes need to be made either tactically or personnel-wise to have more of a goal threat on the pitch, especially against teams that bunker as much as Newcastle did? So, I mean, to, to me, Dan, I actually... I don't know. I don't like that question. I think the Newcastle thing changes this situation completely because to me, this is the one-off match, whereas Kovacic and Ed Zard against the Southampton against, uh, um, well, I don't know. I keep going back to Everton. Uh, whoever else will be mid-table. A Bournemouth. Watford, maybe Bournemouth. Exactly. You
1: know, you know, I think you're going to see some more of the interchange there, what we saw uh, flashes of when we you know, we've got the substitute appearance uh, between the two of them at the end of the Arsenal match is that there will be that interchange that will be that positive play forward. I think there is going to be an opportunity to to go for goal. I, I think again you know look to someone like Pedro to be you know the beneficiary, uh, you know, kind of in a second striker type of situation where he might end up getting uh, more of the targets, uh, more of the chances on goal and be able to really, you know, take advantage of, you know, sorry ball as it stands and get an opportunity to shoot from outside the box to find himself in positions. If the left side is overloaded, then the ball is placed back on the right-hand side. He gets enough space. He'll take the shot from outside the box he's willing to put the laces underneath the ball and try to slot it into the top right-hand corner, top left-hand corner. So I don't know if that goal is going to come from the midfield, but I think if it comes from anywhere, I think Pedro is still the person who's going to be potentially the, the unsung hero, the sneaky MVP under the sorry system.
2: Can I jump in and say one thing too? Uh, I I agree. This, this is going to be a one-off, you know um, we're not going to see the flat nine or or the fat nine, as we were calling it at the pub today uh, in honor of Rafa. But, you know, the difference between this season and previous seasons is which they did everything possible to bunker down and put every man behind the ball. And we beat that. And once teams see that we're still going to score multiple goals throwing 9-10 men behind the ball they're going to have to change tactics it's what you you know you don't see teams doing that against City because it doesn't work and I think that by making a statement today you know even giving up that 85th minute goal um, Chelsea's here and we're here to ball and, and, and we're looking kind of like NBA style you know we're going to concede some goals but if we have possession at the end of the game We've got some shooters that are going to hit that that clutch shot, uh, and I think that's going to scare teams, and I think it will change how they how they um, defend us as in years past.
0: One can only hope that not everyone bunkers 9-10 behind the ball. All uh, right, well, the last one that we have from Patreon is from Tom. He says, we saw Ruben on the bench today which was refreshing what do you think are the chances of Sari bringing him on as a sub in the near future is he leaving him off the pitch because of his lack of tactical ability or positioning still question mark uh alex you know i i guess i don't remember i'm sure you've done a video on ruben but kind of what's your point on this and stance obviously ruben was on the bench off the bench back on the bench what's what's going to happen with rlc
3: Oh, I'm so torn on RLC. I have done a video recently on him, and here's where I stand. My heart wants him to stay, and it looks like he's going to stay because I really love Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I always have. I've drank the Kool-Aid on what Ruben Loftus-Cheek can be. But my head says, considering there's Mateo Kovacic, considering there's Ross Barkley, both for that left center mid spot, and then on top of it, there's Cesc fabregas Behind Jorginho and kind of behind Ngolo Conte as well for the other midfield spots and even uh, Danny Drinkwater. I don't (laughs) know. No, 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 No. no. (laughs) but he is. He's at least, no, he's not behind. I'm sorry. He's not behind, but he's on the team sheet. Danny Drinkwater is another midfielder that's getting paid by Chelsea Football Club on Chelsea. So, nonetheless, there are seven midfielders when you consider Ruben Loftus Cheek and I'm torn, guys. I am torn because when I suggested last week that Ruben Loftus-Cheek go on loan, and a good loan, albeit, I don't want him going on any loan because if there's anybody who doesn't have faith in sending and Chelsea having their youngsters go out on loan – It's this guy right here, me. I think they are so careless in how they let their youngsters choose their loans. It's like they don't care at all. They use their youth as only a business model, a business profit, and they don't care about their well-being. With that said, I still do think Ruben Loftus cheek should be on a good loan rather than staying at Chelsea football club, trying his damn hardest. And I love his attitude that he wants to now try and earn a spot. But everyone's talking to me about, oh, well, he'll play in Europa League games. He'll play in FA Cup games. He'll play in Carabao Cup games. He'll get enough playing time. That's not as much playing time as maybe some people realize. And if he doesn't ever feature even as a sub in Premier League games, it's just not a lot. And now somebody may counter me, guys, and say, well, you want Callum Hudson-Odoi staying and you want Callum Hudson-Odoi playing in those cup matches. But guess what, guys? Callum Hudson-Odoi is 17 years old. He is still going to play in those development squad games whether we like it or not. Ruben Loftus-Cheek is not going to be playing in those development squad games. So – I have a problem with Ruben Loftus-Cheek staying at 22 years old after he just had his first professional season at Crystal Palace. Mind you, he didn't even play a full season because of injury, and he didn't even play that season in his supposed position center mid. He played more on the left. I have a problem with Ruben Loftus-Cheek just being a squad player, hoping for Europa League games, hoping for FA Cup and, and Carabao Cup games. I don't necessarily think that's great for Ruben Loftus-Cheek's development, but my heart once again is saying, well, Alex, he's good. He's going to beat out a Ross Barkley for that backup LCM spot. He might even beat out the backup spot for RCM. He could figure it into two center mid positions. He'll make his way into the team. So my heart and head are really battling here, but honestly, I wish Ruben Loftus-Cheek would have pushed a little bit harder for a top tier Bundesliga or La Liga move. I'm not against that. He's here, but I just don't know if it's great for Ruben Loftus-Cheek's future that he is still here.
4: I'm going to jump in. I, I think there's a lot of sound logic and self argument there. So uh, I I understand your 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 mentality, and I'm I'm kind of in the same boat, Alex. I genuinely I want him to stay, and you know, and and just battle through this season. It's much easier to go on loan and feature, you know, for a Bundesliga club or for a Crystal Palace or for a whoever. It, it's super easy to do that um, because he he is a talented player and. Uh, I think what is being asked of him in this sorry role is going to be one of the most challenging things he comes up against in his career. Namely that he has to be positionally locked in for all 90 minutes if he's going to start. And he has to use his God given abilities, both physical um, and, and, uh, and mental to ensure that he's, contributing in a a meaningful way right like you're not just going to put him out there to put him out there we want him to score goals we want him to have dribbles we want him to have assists we want to we want to see him help the flow of the game like a Kovacic does or like you know even Barkley is shown in glimpses I'm still not super sold on Barkley and I think that Ruben has a chance if he shows up in training to to supersede Barkley because I feel like that's you know, just I think his his God given ability is just better than Barkley's. Personally, it doesn't mean that's going to happen. He's going to have to earn it, and I think if he overcomes this challenge, uh, it will it will benefit him for the rest of his career. Um, and and so I hope that's what happens, for him.
0: Time will tell. Obviously, you know, Ruben is an exciting topic just because of how much uh, excitement and passion Chelsea fans have behind him and want to see him succeed unfortunately the stat of john terry being the last youth player to come through the academy to make to the first team is still lingering and uh something that chelsea fans want to see get uh get broken so moving on uh again thank you everyone from patreon those are all your questions we really really appreciate all the support you get if you want to get your question right at the top of this episode jump on over to our patreon so Shane at earthmuggle on Twitter saying, what is something you've noticed that has been consistent across our first three matches? Now, Mike, this can be kind of anything, whether it's sorry, chewing on cigarette butts, uh, our formation, <laughs> maybe our goalkeeper, but is there anything that maybe has caught your eye after three matches so far?
2: You know, that, that is a really good question. Um, so hats off for that i you know i i almost feel like i i'm a bit like david louise right now caught flat footed um i don't know i i think i think and, and look I, I i gotta say well, you know going back into that um the last hour of the other episode sitting here and not being able to uh jump in and uh correct alex uh, i felt felt a bit like uh, Dale dovac watching somebody touch my drum set uh and um <laughs> But you put your nuts all over it, Alex, and uh, I was not happy. Um, but I, I think that for me, what is uh, <laughs> what's remained constant for me is the hope. We are watching something that we have not seen in a long time. And you take out the, you know, some of the players not playing together or heirs or, or whatever it is. This is a squad, and this is a, a level of play and a style of play that we have not seen and that hope and that joy in watching it, you know, for me, that's, that's been the best thing so far.
0: Any anyone else want to jump in on that? Particularly? Um, I know one thing that I thought was anti consistent was the fact that Chelsea wearing all blue today. That's not something you see very often, Dan. And personally wasn't my favorite.
1: Yeah, I guess if there were consistent things that I've enjoyed uh, seeing Zola next to, uh, sorry, has been quite wonderful. That that's a really positive thing. Um, you know, getting to see the the awake hits not consistently, but I think I'm I'm going to consistently enjoy seeing those. And I uh, consistently will hope that we do not concede goals the same way we have been uh, over the past two matches. So uh, you can't play Huddersfield every week, which is the unfortunate thing, because we would have already been the Premier League champions 15 times over if that was the case.
0: It would be much too easy, but the Premier League's far too competitive for that, which brings us to Murata, and the first one is at Naya Walls saying, what is Murata doing wrong? Is he even getting enough chances to score uh, at CB underscore underscore 4601? What do you think of Murata's performance today? Personally thought he didn't offer much and in January, we need to get somebody else thoughts. So Nick, it kind of goes on and on. Um, a lot of people that are, are looking at Murata as potentially a weak point. I think we all said that collectively last week with, with Naz saying that Murata is the one position we would upgrade if we could to today. And then at Blue Up North, Jason saying he was at the game and there was a lot of hate towards Morata. What is your opinion of him slash our striker situation?
4: I think there are a lot of people who are having Torres syndrome with this uh, with this move. And, you know, I, they're two different players. And, you know, Torres had a much longer goal drought at the beginning of his career. And I, I am... I wasn't super thrilled with the performance from Murata today. I don't think Murata was super thrilled with the performance from himself. I don't think that the, the wingers interchanged well, or, you know, that he made the right runs to, to be in the right spaces. There's a lot that went wrong, but I think for all those who are feeling nervous or, or having anxiety about like, Oh, this is another Torres. They're completely different situations. And I just, I'm not saying that everyone's feeling like that, but it's a sense that I get from people Oh, he's Spanish. Oh, he's you know he's yeah, kind of admitted to you know the pressure getting to him last year, and you know I, I think people are affording him a lot less grace um, than than what they did you know six years ago with Fernando. So just can, just separate him from your mind. If you're gonna if you're gonna just be angry at the performance from Marata, that's cool with me. Uh, but please don't do the over comparison thing. That's all I care about.
2: Yeah, and if if we're going to be critical of, of how he's played, let, let's also talk about a few things that we saw from him. We saw some fight that we haven't seen in a while. I don't know if you guys remember seeing him. Uh, he was all up in Fernandez's face uh, and shoving and, you know, fighting to defend some teammates after, again, lots of ugly, ugly fouls. Um, and he also, I think, ran over Yedlin and maybe another player. So I'm hoping maybe we're seeing a little bit of a change, maybe a little bit of a spark and a extra fight that maybe – um, he will add to his game to kind of step it up uh, over the next few uh, matches. Dan, what are you thinking?
1: No, I'm I'm still down with Murata. I think that he again is 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 growing. I think he's acclimatized to the Premier League. I think you know he actually you know when he went down uh, to ground during this match he actually got the uh, got the whistle and i think felt pretty pretty good about that you know he's not going down at every little uh, flick or gust of wind or a piece of dirt or dust and debris in his eye mouth face or nose holes so you know he really has matured a little bit from last season to this season and i i think i think the problem is is you have two players that are <laughs> second the second striker like they are the better to come off the bench they're the better to play an understudy to an absolute world beater of a striker in Giroud and Morata. and because of that that no 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 one of the two of them is going to say I I should be the striker start me every single match and I will guarantee you that over 90 100 110 120 minutes I will get a goal or a goal plus an assist like that is not what we have at Chelsea and I think that's where when you look at elevating the quality of this squad and I know Brandon doesn't want to talk about future transfer windows but January summer you're looking at a striker again because at that point, Giroux will probably have extended his contract to the maximum. And then you would look at seeing, do you add someone potentially to go alongside Morata to be the number one and Morata stays at the number two and potentially flourishes in that role? Or do you potentially try to look at just upgrading fully and then filling it back in with Amishi, with a Tammy Abraham, if he has a successful either loan or season understudying underneath these two?
3: Guys, if I can quickly butt in here on Alvaro Morata. I have to Um, Alvaro Morata. Okay, he's a polarizing, polarizing Chelsea figure right now. And I admitted right in the middle of the summer before this preseason ever started that I was probably a little bit too hard on Alvaro Morata once things went wrong last season. Once he became, quote unquote, injured and he stopped missing a lot of clear cut chances. And I chalked it up eventually to. In a rough personal year. I don't know if anybody knows what happened to him personally, but it was a rough, rough year. Felt very bad for him. He also just, in your first year in the Premier League as a striker, that can be very, very tough. Once you miss one, you miss ten. Okay, So it's very, very tough. However, I cut him a break, and I backed off, and I said, this next year, under Maurizio Sarri, in his second year in the Premier League, which is always a more successful year, and under an attacking manager, Alvaro Murata should be better. Now, preseason doesn't mean a whole lot. So once he struggled in the preseason, I said, oh, well, let him grease the wheels a little bit. Let him grease the wheels, right? He's got to get custom to the new manager. He's got to get free-flowing. But he doesn't have that injury anymore that he talked about. And by the way, he has a new manager. He's on to a new season. And he's put Italy, his supposed destination behind him. OK, then all of a sudden he still struggles, but he has twins and God bless him. I can still congratulate him on the twins. I never will throw a personal cheat blow. I really like Alvaro Morata off the pitch. So I was like, OK, he had twins. Good. Like he'll take a couple days. That's that's a that's so much more important than football. You have kids. That's huge. That's huge. Then he continues to struggle, right? He changes his number. He goes from 9 to 29, and we all go, oh, now he's going to be great. Now he's going to be great. He, cr- he he totally put to bed the number nine curse. Now he's going to be great. Well, he's not great. The first game of the season, he doesn't score a goal, but everybody applauds him because he's positive. He's positive. He didn't produce, but he's positive, right? Okay, now the second game of the season, he scores a very nice goal a very nice goal and it was really nice to see however chelsea fans acted as if he scored a hat trick as if he put in a complete performance and all the while i'm asking what are we doing here what are we doing i'm not here to bash a player contrary to maybe what some people would think on twitter i will never bash a player (laughs) out of bounds i will never throw a personal cheap low blow i will never go out of bounds in terms of saying something about a player's um, personality off the pitch. I will talk about Maratta's mentality on the pitch, but I am not here to go overboard whether you believe me or not. However, what are we doing here? This is Chelsea frickin' football club. This is professional sports. All the people who tell me to stop talking about Murata on Twitter are the same people that say, oh, Didier Drogba struggled in his first year, and then Didier Drogba came true in his second year. You think I'm putting pressure on Murata? When you're talking about Murata in Didier Drogba circumstances, check yourself Check yourself. That is ridiculous. So, honestly, I will back Maratta. I still want Maratta to, to come good because I think highly of him as a person and I think he has a lot of talent. But let's be real. This is not a world class striker that we have at Chelsea Football Club. It is just not. We are babying Alvaro Maratta and let's just lower our expectations. That's all I'm saying. <sighs>
0: just want to give that a moment to breathe a little bit you know like a fine wine as some people would say (laughs) look you you want a goal a a striker who bangs in the goals we all do um it it, no matter what had happened last season with alvaro conte was a negative coach we all know that it provided to some magnificent counterattacks that broke it you know lightning speeds that just didn't play into him um again we'll we'll kind of see how it goes but obviously that's the easiest place to point and say Chelsea need to fix Um, what I do want to kind of follow that up with just though and say hey hey um, Jason Keep us posted on what the fans in the stadium are reacting towards Marantz. I think that's a really interesting angle that obviously us as uh, fans from abroad will never really get that perspective. I'd be really interested to see kind of how the uh, the match-going fans continue to take to, to Marantz on that. So really appreciate that. Uh, one kind of last follow-up before we move on to the match preview is actually from at Farweezy. Nick, we talked about how great of a debut Kovacic made last week. We ran the stats. We looked at it, saw how pretty he danced. It was fantastic. <laughs> Guess what? He made his first start today. He even asked to be subbed. If you didn't see Maurizio Sarri's press conference afterwards, how
4: do you think he did overall on the full debut? I, I think it was still very good. Uh, I, you know, I think it's it's sometimes easier to come on and and make the impact look, you know, that much different because you have fresh legs and and other players on the pitch don't. Uh, but I do feel really good about you know his positional awareness. I feel really good about his passing. I feel really good about his his seemingly uh, you know magnetic interchange with with Hazard when they kind of swap roles and move forward. Like I think there's just a bunch of of great of great things that are happening with him, and uh, he doesn't look to me uh, Dan like a guy who wants to lose uh, that starting spot anytime soon.
1: No, not at all. I think he looks like someone who wants to take the position. I thought it was interesting that, Sari being interviewed after the match, talked about the fact that, you know, Kovacic, you know, had asked for the substitution off. Clearly, still getting up to the right level of match fitness, not like the 200% and Hazard. His words, not ours. So, yeah, you know, I think. We have to have a little bit of patience with him. I think, again, just like we do with the entire team right now, because you're learning a new system. There are potentially players who are climatizing to playing in the Premier League, uh, playing for Chelsea, which is a burden unto itself. So I'm hopeful for the future. I'm excited about what he brings, but I'm also reserving just a little bit because, uh, you know, there's there's a wait-and-see element, too. You know, he's technically not chelsea's player even though he's posted on social media and basically gave a goodbye without saying goodbye to real madrid you know he he still is their player on loan to chelsea all right well let's
0: go ahead and move it on to the match preview we have afc bournemouth coming up nick's uh spot on for relegation as far as he's concerned uh gonna be Going to be taking them out of the Premier League. Uh, coming back home to Stamford Bridge this coming Saturday on September 1st. Uh, Alex, the way you look at it is uh, a bit of a thriller. 2-2 draw with Everton this weekend. Both teams getting red cards. Other than that, they have beaten Cardiff and they have also beaten West Ham. Uh, they've scored two goals in all of their games. Um, but they are susceptible, as we know, to giving up goals. going to be down to Asmir Begovic, former Blues. Chelsea fans know all about him. Anything excited or maybe concerned about for when it comes to taking on the Cherries at the weekend?
3: Oh, God, I love Asmir Begovic. In fact, I've interviewed him before, and he's really a forthcoming guy. And I don't know, I think we all kind of feel some type of endearment towards Asmir, yet I'm not scared at all. Asmir had a Bad game at the weekend and Bournemouth. They just don't scare me one bit. They're not doing so bad this season, as you already said, but no, honestly, it's a Bournemouth game that scares me less than a Newcastle game. I feel like Bournemouth based on their style and based on the fact that they actually have some points here in the Premier League are going to approach it a little bit more normal than Newcastle did with Rafa Benitez And Bournemouth just don't have the artillery to protect a Maurizio Stari style Chelsea, especially at Stamford Bridge. I have really no worries about this game. Uh, I love Nathan Ake, but that doesn't, once again, change my opinion whatsoever. I hate match predictions, and I know you didn't even ask me for a match prediction, but I think this is going to be a resounding Chelsea win. I think this is going to be more of a game where you realize that, okay, when you think about it, a Bournemouth and a Newcastle, if you're just thinking really laissez-faire, Yeah, they're about the same. They're eh, whatever. We don't care. They're not relegation teams necessarily, but they're definitely not top six teams. But I think a Bournemouth plays way better into Chelsea's style of play. I think they'll try and allow Chelsea to play a little bit more of their game. Not that they want Chelsea to play their game, but they're going to try to at least be more representative of who they are. As I said in the previous episode, I thought Bournemouth just, or sorry, Newcastle just immediately tucked their tails. I don't know if Bournemouth's going to do that. And honestly, I think that's going to be death to Bournemouth against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. I love you, Asmir Begovic, but you're not going to have a great season. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Oh, poor Asmir, man. I love Asmir. I love Asmir Asmir Begovic. And and Dan, he is a huge, huge New England Patriots fan. And I know. yeah, I love Asmir Begovic, but but you know me. I do not bite my tongue. He's just not going to have a good season. But I, I – oh, God, I really do love Asmir Begovic. I'd love to be friends with him.
4: All right. Well, then, um, I, I'm going to pick this up. Uh, I do – I agree that Chelsea should win this match. I do agree that you know, that Bournemouth play a more open style than Newcastle. I, I am a little bit, you know, just due to the defensive lapses over the last couple of weeks, I am a little bit worried about Callum Wilson, who has played pretty well against Chelsea in previous matches. I think he's a guy who is, you know, a decent amount of speed and also has a, a pretty good shot on him as well. Uh, I, Eddie Howe is great. Uh, he is. He's a, he's a great manager, and I think... Uh, you know, even you know, keeping them up for three or four seasons now has been an incredible achievement. Uh, I look for Eden Hazard, uh, as he has in previous matches against Bournemouth, to absolutely take over and smash um, the the pieces of, of Bournemouth's backline, uh, and and that's just the way I feel about it. I mean, it, th- if we don't get these three points to kind of build to that Liverpool match. I'm going to feel a lot worse, uh, Dan, than than if I, you know, if we would have gone in and,
1: you know, at least taken care of business. Well, I think you're looking at the possibility and, you know, I think you know, you sometimes see this in, you know, American football, right? Where, you know, you get a battle of two undefeated teams. And I think it could be highly likely that when we are playing Liverpool at the end of September that you potentially have number one, number two Playing head to head against one another for three extremely valuable points, but we don't get there unless we beat Bournemouth, and I think we have the attacking powers to beat them. It will be more open. There, we you know we will not have eighty plus percent uh, possession of the ball in this match. That's not going to happen. But what we will have is you know, more clear-cut opportunities on goal and hopefully converting the goals, whether that be through Morata, whether that be through a substitution of Giroud in. But I think you know somewhere in a 2-1, 3-1, probably uh, I will always pick the higher of the two. A 3-1 victory over Bournemouth is what I'm hoping to see, Mike. And uh, I think it could be, uh, again, a nice, wonderful start to that Premier League title that Sarri's is going to win us this season.
2: Yeah, (laughs) expectation Uh,
4: setting one hundred.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you know, go go stronger. Don't go at all. Um, You know, this is going to actually be our second match in a row in which um, the opposing right back gets uh, picks up a red card uh, in the in the previous match. So I think all that all those balls coming down the left side, you know, Eden and company are going to be super happy looking at um, you know taking it to that replacement who hasn't who hasn't played in the two previous matches. Um, I, I will say I I really, you know, I would like to you know, the Arsenal game was one thing, but I think to call I, I almost don't even think it's fair to call it a defensive lapse. Um because Louise watched his his good friend almost get knocked the hell out and stop for a second. You know, I I think this is – it's almost to me reminiscent of times where everybody blames a kicker in football. It's like if you guys had done your damn jobs for the whole game, you wouldn't need to kick a 50-yard field goal, you know, if you had moved the ball 10 yards. And I think while there have been mistakes, we weren't great, you know, everybody's pinning on the back four. But a lot of what we saw in that Arsenal match was the midfield. You know, you play defense with more than four people in the back. And until that midfield covers back, you know, even Kovacic – great play but where is his help on you know on on the left side when alonzo is bombing up almost completely across the 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 pitch so I, you, know, you know i'm wondering for me if if and it's a little rambly but do we look at at conte switching sides to maybe give a little bit more cover to to louise especially with the way alonzo's playing on the wings but I think that we're putting way too much pressure on a single mistake in 90 minutes. Because if you look at it, we had 81% possession, and the offense got three shots on goal, three shots. That that's offensive issues. That you know th- they had all the chances in the world, and that's not on the defense. I, I think our offense needs to step up and be clinical too.
0: Well, there it is. He had to wait a little bit, but he got the shots in on the offense. He you took it to him. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> no, I mean, look, let's let's gonna you know we got to go into this uh, eyes wide open. Obviously, uh, Chelsea is still adapting under Maurizio Sarri and and figuring it out. So, sorry ball will continue to evolve in its next iteration at Chelsea. And thankfully, this is a winnable match as long as the Blues go out and take care of business. And so, you know, if nothing else, we're just really excited to be able to have one more match before a dreaded international break. So, again, um, Mike, did you have a prediction there? I can't remember.
2: Uh, I'm going to go 5-1.
1: My word! Whoa! (laughs) Whoa! No big. Love it. 2-0
4: for me, Brandon. 2-0.
0: Yeah, and I'll sit with the 2-1 as well. It's just... It's, it's tight days right now. I, I haven't seen Chelsea look like they're ready to blow anyone out except Arsenal, and we squeaked that one out. So that's kind of where I stand on things. But it's been a blast, guys. We, we, we did it. Another episode that we've knocked it out. Uh, thank you to everyone. So many social media questions. You guys are fantastic sending us um, you know, through Facebook, through Twitter, through Instagram, and even through Patreon now. We really, really appreciate connecting with everyone out there and listening to it. Again, a huge thanks to Alex Goldberg for jumping us on with us for part two. My man, really appreciate it.
3: Uh, guys, I appreciate it. Sorry if I popped a blood vessel, but I really appreciate it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's called passion. We respect it. And we appreciate it. Yep. All right, guys. Well, that will do it for this episode. Again, thank you so much for listening. If you missed part one, go back and check out our match review. Um, of the game from this past weekend. But other than that, we will go ahead and leave it until the weekend. Chelsea back home at the bridge. Nothing feels better than a win at home. So we're really hoping the Blues go out and take care of business. We'll be back after the match. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.